This is the TriDot Podcast. TriDot uses your training data and genetic profile combined with predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to optimize your training, giving you better results in less time with fewer injuries. Our podcast is here to educate, inspire, and entertain. We'll talk all things triathlon with expert coaches and special guests. Join the conversation and let's improve together. Together. Hey folks, welcome to the show. I haven't said this in a while, so I, you know, I got to do it every now and then. If you are enjoying the show, it helps us out big time. If you subscribe on the Apple Podcast app and leave us a rating and review, those simple actions help us find our way to the ears of new listeners. Thanks in advance. Y'all are the best. Crucial show today as two of our esteemed TriDot coaches will tackle race day anxiety. We want to help you get to the start line as ready and confident as possible. So really excited for this chat today. Our first coach joining us for this is Coach Joanna Namey. Joanna is better known as Coach JoJo and has been coaching athletes with TriDot since 2012. She's a co-founder of Hissy Fit Racing, a third-year member of the Betty Design Squad, and now has 17 Ironman finishes on her accomplished triathlon resume. Coach Joe is qualified for two Ironman World Championships and will be racing Kona here in October of 2022. Coach Joe, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Also joining us is Coach John Mayfield. John is a USAT Level 2 and Ironman U certified coach who leads Tridots Athlete Services, Ambassador, and Coaching Programs. He's coached hundreds of athletes ranging from first-timers to Kona qualifiers and professional triathletes. John has been using Tridot since 2010 and coaching with Tridot since 2012. John, are you ready to talk about race day anxiety with us today? Yeah, I will say I don't have quite as much anxiety recording this podcast number, what is it, 130, 140. I had much more anxiety headed into podcast number one. <laughs> uh, kind of like my racing career, uh, my my level of anxiety has gone down both in uh, my, my race starts and my podcast recordings. I'm Andrew, the average triathlete, voice of the people, and captain of the middle of the pack. As always, we'll roll through our warm-up question, settle in for our main set conversation, and then wind things down with our cool-down. Before we get too deep into the show today, I want to give a shout-out to our good friends at UCAN. Here at TriDot, we are huge believers in using UCAN to fuel our training and racing. In the crowded field of nutrition companies, what separates UCAN from the pack is the science behind Live Steady, the key ingredient in UCAN products. While most energy powders are filled with sugar or stimulants that cause a spike and crash, UCAN energy powders powered by Live Steady deliver a steady release of complex carbs to give you stable blood sugar and provide long-lasting energy. I personally fuel my workouts with the orange-flavored edge gel and the unflavored UCAN energy. Between their energy mix, energy bars, almond butter, and more, there is definitely a Live Steady product that you will love. So head to their website, ucan.co, that is U-C-A-N dot C-O, and use the code TRIDOT to save 20% on your entire order. It used to be 10%, but the fine folks at UCAN have upped it to 20% off for TRIDOT Nation. So once again, that's UCAN.co, promo code TRIDOT. Time to warm up. Let's get moving.
Across all sports, there is a huge market for autographed memorabilia, with athlete signatures commonly being applied to game-worn jerseys, hats, t-shirts, print materials, photos, and whatever else a fan might have on hand when they come across a celebrity athlete in real life. In our sport, the pros commonly have autographed signings at sponsored tents or at pre-race events in the Athlete Village. When we were at St. George for the World Championships, Tridot athlete Sarah Burney was showing off her Ben Hoffman autographed Zoot hat, and I was crazy jealous. So, John, Joe, if you could score the autograph of any triathlon celebrity, whose autograph would you want, and what piece of memorabilia would you want that autograph on? John Mayfield, we'll start with you. So, uh, my first thought was like a big deal uh, are, are shoes, uh, especially sure. like basketball, football. A lot of those guys have like individualized, have their own shoe with their calls or whatever, and they they autograph them and throw them into the stands, whatever. But then I got to thinking like uh, triathlon shoes are really nasty. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know that uh, you would want uh, to touch um, a a professional triathlete's shoe after they ran a marathon. Uh, Particularly in the- after we outlined on the episode with Coach Joe and Coach Matt just about all like potty strategies for racing, and Matt revealed yeah. how often the pros are, are are peeing in their shoes while they're running. You don't know what bodily fluid has made contact with those race shoes. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you get that in basketball and football and other other sports. But um, just a little little side story of this, something that came to mind uh, years ago. My kids participated in a uh, youth triathlon that was sponsored by a Houston YMCA and was sponsored by the Houston Texans. And uh, this was, uh, it was after JJ Watts um, rookie year. So um, I've been a Texans fan from, from the beginning. So I knew who he was. Uh, he had, he'd been drafted, um, played one year with the team, had a couple sacks, had a, had a decent year, but he hadn't yet blown up. In fact, um, at the time, the Texans quarterback was TJ Yates. So when they were saying JJ, they were confusing him with TJ. Um, and so there was like confusion even as to who he was. So anyway, um, my kids got a autographed swim cap. So we, we still have somewhere in the house. It's, it's in not great shape. It's quite deteriorated, but we have a JJ Watt autographed swim cap. Um, so it's a little bit, a little bit of triathlon stuff, a little bit of celebrity, not necessarily a celebrity triathlete. As far as I know, JJ Watt has yet to do a triathlon, but, uh, heck of a guy, heck of a uh, football player. And, uh, so we're, we're, we're proud to have a JJ Watt autographed swim cap. All right. Yeah. And that, that is, that's gotta be rare, right? I'm sure he signs plenty of jerseys and football helmets and cleats, but I, I doubt too many people, uh, triathlon, triathlete or non-triathlete have a NFL player signed swim mm-hmm. cap. So that's that's got to be a treasured item in the Mayfield household. Coach Joe, if you could have anyone in the triathlete sphere uh, give you an autograph, what item would you want it on and whose autograph would you want? Well, John's story there made me think of an autograph that I have of the best, the, the Mary Lou Retton autograph oh, that wow. I have. If, if she could autograph my swim cap, that would be awesome. But <laughs> I'm more mesmerized right now with Christian Blumenfeld. Okay. And I would probably, I, ha- I had some good conversations with him in the finishing shoot when we were in Daytona um, that weekend about Cozumel. And he's a very interesting guy. And I, I would have to say probably that see-through uh, tri-suit he wore when he won the gold medal yeah. would be quite an item that might be very, very valuable on eBay one day. Um, if, if I could get that <laughs> autograph. 
Yeah, so get get Christian's autograph. Uh, he's now the Olympic gold medalist. He's now the Ironman world champion. And to have his autograph on his famously see-through white kit from the Olympics, yeah, that that's a great pick, Joe. Uh, I'm going a different direction here as a podcaster. I mean, there, there are for sure are plenty of athletes in our sport where I, I would like to have their autograph on some piece of uh, game worn or, or or game, you know, race day used gear item. That that'd be really cool. But it, when I thought about this, I would love to have uh, like either Mike Riley or Bob Babbitt, if one of them could su- like sign my podcasting microphone. Because uh, like when, when I just think of my role in this sport, my experience with the sport. You know, my experience with triathlon has just been so enriched by being a podcaster and being in this space and having these kind of conversations with you, our coaches and different athletes at races. And when I think about the people who make a mark on the sport, you know, sure, the pro athletes out there make make a huge mark on the sport. But I, I also like just kind of picking the brains of the storytellers of the sport. And for Mike Riley and guys like Bob Babbitt, who do so much of the media around the big events. Um, they're, they're the storytellers of the sport of triathlon and, and they're so gifted at that storytelling and having their autograph on my podcasting microphone would be really special and really unique to me where I sit in this sport. So Andrew, Andrew, now I'm like, how am I going to get Andrew's microphone <laughs> case to Kona and get Mike Riley to sign it without him knowing? I had the same thought. I was like, this is, this is a new objective. <laughs> <laughs> Bill and I are on it. We are yeah. going to make this happen. We're going to get Bob Babbitt and Mike Riley. We're it's consider it done at some point. Uh, hey guys, we're going to throw this question out to you. Uh, I, I I'm curious. I want to know from our people. I know y'all are fans of the sport. Um, if you could have the autograph of any athlete or any just just kind of person in the triathlon space, whose autograph would you want, and what item would you want that autograph put on? Uh, make sure you're a part of the I Am Trout Facebook group. We're going to throw this question out to you and see what you have to say. On to the main set. Going in three, two, one. The Trout team has been learning from Oxford University professor Kieran Clark, founder and CEO of T Delta S Global, all about the benefits of drinking the revolutionary Oxford ketone ester. Delta G ketone drinks are revolutionizing the way many of us at TriDot fuel our triathlon training and racing. The more we've used Delta G drinks, the more we've been struck by the noticeable impact Delta G performance and tactical have on our recovery. As athletes who train almost every day of the week for three different sports, Delta G's boost to recovery is a total game changer for triathletes. Try adding just a small serving of ketone ester mixed into your post-workout drink and experience the recovery boost for yourself. As you recover when you're asleep, try a small drink just before bed. The team at Delta G even offers free 15-minute one-on-one consultations where you can learn more about jump-starting your post-workout recovery with Delta G Ketones. You can book a call quickly and easily at deltagketones.com. So head to their website, deltagketones.com, to learn more about fueling with Delta G ketone esters and book your free 15-minute consultation. When you place an order, use TriDot20 to get 20% off your super fuel ketone drinks. Whether you're taking on your very first triathlon or taking on your 100th triathlon, race day anxiety, the morning of a race, the week of a race, a few days before the race, can take hold and grip even the most experienced of triathletes. 
you two are both frequently on site with athletes the morning of a race. Sometimes it's the local short course scene. Sometimes it's an Ironman. And I've personally seen you both talking with athletes, praying with athletes, fist bumping athletes, helping them push through those pre-race nerves from all of your pre-race interactions with nervous athletes. What moments or what conversations stick out to you as extra memorable? Um, I have a couple, um, but, you know, kind of going back to the, to the last question and we were talking about Andrew was, um, you know, I think when I started thinking about this podcast and um, the conversations I've had with athletes pre-race, um, it, it, what really affected me this year was Ironman Texas coming off of COVID, having probably my biggest class of athletes, class of 22 um, at Ironman Texas, uh, 10 different types of athletes, all with different backgrounds and, you know, getting to know each of them very personally and kind of understanding what their why was, um, that, that made me really understand their nervous state before the race and what, you know, what was going to be needed to be said to calm them, um, to give them the confidence to start this race and to be in a good headspace to start this race. I think every athlete you have to treat individually um, and in and, and doing that, this has made me really think about um, um, different ways of, of talking with athletes before um, they start their swim. I'd have to say, as far as extra memorable uh, conversations I've had with athletes, uh, I think Ironman Florida this year stands out in my mind. Um, having, you know, run the, the, the swims for TriDot in the two days before, I knew how the water was. On race day, I could tell how rough the water was. And this was Ironman Florida 2021, which just had a, a ridiculous current, a, a high DNF rate on the swim. Um, John Mayfield was out there racing himself, and and it took, John, I think 20-something minutes longer than normal for you to finish that swim, just to give people context of how difficult the currents were on that particular day. Yeah, and it, you know, and I had an athlete, um, I had a number, uh, I had a couple of athletes in that race, but I had an athlete, Chastity Jamie, who's, who's been a longtime tri-daughter, um, a, a very successful athlete, um, but came to me years and years ago and wouldn't get off the dock um, at our lake, um, terrified of open water swimming. So knowing she was about to take on this beast wow. um, was, was very scary for me. And I had to formulate the right words to, to give her the confidence to get through the first loop, not even talking about the second loop. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I remember just, you know, being very calm with her, but pumping her up and, and letting her know that she'd done some really hard things in life. And that's, this was not going to be the hardest thing she did. Yeah. And then secondly, in that day, it's always, it was kind of role reversal for me because I always have John as my coach talking to me pre-race, you know, knowing who I am, what I can do um, versus me looking at him and saying, not, not conveying that I think this is going to be a really tough swim, um, but that, you know, he had the, he had the ability um, yeah. that he had a lot of experience behind him and that he was going to have a very successful day. Yep. And he did have a very successful day. Um, just, just a tough swim. <laughs> got that successful day started. So, so John, for you, just in your coaching career with all the times you've been with athletes in, in those, in those supercharged, you know, emotional, sometimes, uh, you know, anxious moments before a race, what, what moments and conversations stand out you know, for, for you, from your coaching experience? There, there are several. Um, and a lot of them have to do with, with those, those athletes that have those big goals. Um, and as a coach, you become very vested in, in your athletes and their success, their success is your success and, and their failures are your failures. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot like parenting where at some point you've done what you can and, and then they, they go on to, 
to do what they're going to do. It's all about, they have to execute at some point. There's nothing else that you can do for them. Um, so it's, it's just having those, those last minute reminders. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoy that, uh, being there in that moment. I, I think just kind of my, uh, my calm disposition, uh, does well on race morning. I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the, the hype guy. Um, I'm more the, the calm and, and I'm going to remind you of the work that you've done. I'm going to remind you of your potential and your ability. And, and what, uh, another thing is, is having been there many, many times is a, um, to be able to convey that. And it's like, especially for the first timers, it's like, they don't know what they're in store for, but I do. Um, it's, it's your first time yeah. to be there, but I've been here <laughs> lots of times. So I think, uh, both for, for them and for me, that, that is a, a calming, um, thing and you have confidence, uh, in that, but kind of a, a fun story that, that sticks out, um, was a couple of years ago when Elizabeth James was uh, racing. It was um, 70.3 in Waco. And uh, she was set up uh, in, a, in a parking lot, um, kind of near the swim star, getting her, her wetsuit on. And uh, it was a humid morning. Uh, it was early. It was dark. And uh, she was just struggling to get the, the wetsuit on. So um, I, I was helping her. Her husband, Charles, was there helping her. And it was like, it took the three of us 10 minutes or more <laughs> to get that wetsuit up on her legs. Sure. And, and we were all in sweating, good warm up for her. And uh, like, it was a struggle. It was like, we finally got it on, uh, which I mean, that's, that's when a, when a wetsuit fits properly, it should be difficult to, to get on. So it was good confirmation. Yeah. Her wetsuit fit, got it yeah. on. She went to uh, pull it up over her hips and, and put it on the top and realized that it was inside out. So like, wow, done all of that work. And it was just like, uh, like it, that it, it went a really long way to just kind of deflate that, uh, anxiety and all that. Cause we all just laughed. Like it was one of those, just like one of those situations where you just throw up your hands and just, just laugh at it. Cause what else are you going to do? And so we, we got it stripped off and, and flipped, uh, right side out and, and, you know, struggled again to, uh, to, to get it put on. But, uh, so that was, that was one of those moments. It was just that, that stands out as a, a pre-race, uh, memory that, uh, was, was really good where there was just something like that, that, you know, she could have stressed over it. She could have gotten worked up and, and mad or whatever, but you know, everybody just laughed. And, uh, that was actually the race she went on to qualify as a professional. So, uh, just proof that uh, everything doesn't have to go perfectly race morning, but uh, it's all about how you yeah. respond to it. No, that that's a great point. And just know that whatever you forget to do or, or neglect to do or do incorrectly or have to redo on race morning, just remember that uh, if Elizabeth James can put her wetsuit on inside out and have to have to correct it and still go on to earn her pro card that day, uh, you can overcome whatever you need to overcome on race morning as well. So great, great anecdote there, John. I, I enjoy that. I, I remember that. Uh, I, I wasn't there personally, but I remember hearing about that story later on the day. And, and, and yeah, you're right, John. I mean, I've just being with you at the races, I've seen athletes, you know, leave stuff in transition and, and have to run and grab it real quick. Or I've seen athletes realize that they uh, ha had their bike computer with them at the swim start and failed to put their bike computer with their bike. And so they hand it to us and we have to get it there. You know, I've, I've seen athletes have things go wrong on race morning and, um, you know, we're, we're always able to work the problem, solve the problem and get them to the starting line, ready to go. So, um, so from y'all's experience with athletes before race, is it normal to have some pre-race jitters or, or is that something that goes away over time? What, what percentage of the field at any given race is standing there on the edge of the water feeling nervous? I would have to say, I think it's near a hundred percent. I think it's totally normal. 
kind of the fear of the unknown, uh, something very strenuous you're about to take on, especially, you know, half or full Ironman, um, always the, the what ifs, can I do this? What if I can't do this? What if this happens? Um, so I'm still mega nervous uh, when I start, but the one line I say to my athletes over and over again is that there is a fine line between anxiety and excitement. And what are you going to choose today? You can, you can choose to be anxious or we can frame that as excitement. So it's just, that's just a flip of negative versus positive. So instead of saying, Hey, I'm really nervous. I'm really scared. You know, can we say, Hey, you know, let's, let's push that away. Let's like I say to my kids, let's put those negative thoughts in a bubble. Let's blow that away. Uh, positive thoughts and that we're going to frame this as excitement. Um, but I would say that that's probably still on the table for every, every athlete that toes the line. Um, and, and, and that's very normal. The nerves are proof that you're still invested, that really when we go out and we do these things, we're, we're taking on risk. Um, we're, we're risking uh, uncomfortable pain. We're, we're risking failure. Uh, you know, a lot of it is self-imposed. Uh, we have these self-imposed expectations that we may or may not meet. And there's no guarantee, uh, regardless of how well prepared we are. Uh, and, and I think when you can consistently get to the start line and not be nervous, either one, you're not, uh, you're, you're not setting ambitious enough goals. You're not taking on enough risk, or, or maybe it's just time to get out. Uh, cause you know, at some point you're just going through the motions and there's just, this sport is too expensive, too time consuming <laughs> to, to just go through the motions on. And, you know, I've been yeah. at those races, you know, there, there are some that are higher priority than others. Um, some races are more just fun and others are, are very serious. I have one single goal here. This is going to be success or failure. Um, so again, kind of the priority of the race is going to dictate how much anxiety or how, how much, how nervous, um, we are before those. But, but again, there, there should be something there. There should be some butterflies. If there's, if the butterflies aren't there, then, then you're probably not there either. I, I know for me at the middle and long course distance um you know the, the nerves are usually just some it's some form of okay it's a long day there, there's there's a lot that i need to go right there's a lot that could go wrong and, and you're just kind of i'm just kind of anxious about that on race morning uh when it's a short course you know when, when it's sprint or olympic uh I, I still have some nerves and those nerves it, it's less so much of okay i want this to go well there's so much that could go wrong and, and the nerves are more a result of for a sprint or olympic i'm about to have to pedal to the metal for one to two hours I'm about to put my foot on the gas and I'm, I'm about to hurt for one hour to two hours, whether it's a sprint or Olympic. Uh, and there, there's some nerves there because you just, you know what those sprints and Olympics feel like late into the run when you just have to pedal to the metal for an hour or two. Uh, and, and my nerves kick in. I'm like, Oh man, this is about to hurt for a little while. Um, for that, that's kind of what it is for me. For most athletes, as you talk with them, as you interact with them, what is usually the root cause of nervousness before a race? It's, it's really what you alluded to there. Um, one is what am I in store for? Um, and, and again, it's going to be a little bit different depending on the experience of the athlete. So um, for the first timer is, is we, we don't know what we don't know. Uh, all we know is there's, there are people who collapse at the finish line um, and just, you know, they look like hell when they finish the race. And it's like, my God, what have these people put themselves through? And, <laughs> and what am I about to put myself through? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, every time you take on a new distance, uh, you know, as a, as a rule, uh, we're almost doubling. Um, every time we, we distance up, it's twice as far yeah. 
um, as the one, you know, the Olympic is, is almost or about twice as far. The 70.3 is twice as far as the Olympic. And obviously the, the, the Ironman is, is twice as far as the half. And so it was like, man, that last one hurt. The sprint hurt. Like how, how much is it going to hurt when I double that and go Olympic or, or to go on to the 70.3 or, you know, it's like one thing I always say is like, you can't think about doing a 70.3 twice. Um, fortunately <laughs> Ironman is not 70.3s it's they're just, they're just different. Um, cause 70.3s are, are tough and they hurt and, and yeah, there's no way you could successfully execute a 70.3 and then start all over. And I, I think it's, it's that there, there are several things that play into it, but I think a lot of it is just that I'll, I'll, it really comes down to those self-imposed, um, objectives and goals that we're, uh, we're, we're afraid we, we may not meet. Joe, for you with your athletes, you know, what, what have you found to typically be the root cause of nervousness before a race? Um, well, I'll get to that, but I just had a thought when y'all were talking about, you know, from beginners to pros and, uh, Laura Slidell, um, a, a pro female, um, posted before, uh, St. George world championship, um, you know, a very honest, transparent post, but she said, I'm scared, but I guess if I wouldn't scared, there wouldn't be an opportunity to be courageous. And that yeah. has really stuck with me. It stuck with me all through my week before St. George was that, um, no matter if I've done 17 of these, no matter how many years I've been in here, why am I feeling nervous? I'm confident I can do this distance. I've done it lots of times, but you know, th those nerves and anxiety are, are, are not controllable. You know, that, you know, your feelings are your feelings. They wash over you and you can't control those. Um, and, you know, and, and getting back to your question of the root cause of the nervousness, I think it's totally natural and normal, all based on the things that John was saying. Um, our mind naturally goes to the what ifs. What if, you know, what if I wreck? What if I have a flat? What if I don't make the cutoff? Um, yeah. You know, all of these normal things. And now we've got even more, you know, we, we've heard lately about, you know, uh, you know, swim induced pulmonary edema, different different things that are happening to athletes in every race. We saw a lot of that at, at, at Worlds. Um, and so it, all of these things, um, you know, prep you to go, what if I do this? What if this happens to me? What if I, you know, what if I fail? What if I fail today? Um, and I, I've talked with my athletes quite a bit on how do we reframe that? The moment you have that thought as to what if I, um, what if I, you know, don't make the swim cutoff? And I'm like, well, what if you have an awesome swim? What if you PR that swim? What if you have a really comfortable swim? You know, ways to yeah. reframe uh, your mindset. Um, we have to do that in all aspects of life sometimes, work, family, whatever. Um, but it, 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 it can be reframed. Um, sometimes you just, you know, need to do that way before the race, not, not standing at the race start. Um, um, but I think, again, I think that when we say root cause of nervousness, um, I think that that's, that's something that really, really naturally happens to all of us. And we, you know, just have to work on ways to deal with those nerves. So anxiety doesn't always set in on race morning. Sometimes it can set in the, the day before, it can set in the week of. So for, for the athletes that are out there who who know they might struggle to relax in the days leading up to their race, how, how can we stay loose and in the right frame of mind that the day before and, and even the evening before our big race? You know, I, I, I think John and I have talked about this before. He's talked about it with me um, before big races, and I've talked about it with my athletes, you know, you need to do what's natural, do what you enjoy. You know, we talk about, Hey, go see a movie the day before Ironman, Texas, you know, for me, watch a serial killer show all the time. Yes, <laughs> that's me. I mean, I, the funniest thing is it, renting this condo in St. George and whoever owned it had the kid lock 
on all violent TV, uh, which did not lend itself to me having my serial killer show <laughs> in prep for uh, being relaxed to race the world championship. Um, so, you know, all of these things, you know, I, I'm big on easy yoga, you know, uh, ocean breath, night before the race, all these things to keep, you know, heart rate down, nerves down, anxiety down. Um, you know, I, I'm going to talk probably five times during this podcast. That's um, a technique I use with my athletes. Um, when, when anxiety reaches its ugly grip on you, um, high heart rate, sweating, uh, you know, can't control. You have these, these waterfall thoughts. They go from what if to what if to what if. Um, I talk about box breathing with them. This is something they get a handout on. This is something that I require them to practice as much as they practice a transition or a swim start or, you know, transitioning to the bike. They have to practice this box breathing technique. And it's been very successful for them for about the five to 10 minutes before entering the water. Um, so please Google box breathing. Um, and um, I think it is something, it is a tool that is very, very effective um, in, in, it must be practiced before your, you know, OWS training as well as racing. I've, I've never heard of box breathing. So as soon as this recording is over, I'm going to go on Google myself and Google box breathing and, and see exactly what coach Joe has her athletes do before they hit, hit the race day waters. So one thing I would add is just setting yourself up for success. Um, oftentimes, especially like a, a, a long course race, um, there are opportunities to go down and spend time at the uh, check-in area in the village. A lot of times those atmospheres are, are stressful. They're high energy. And, and some people will thrive on that. And others uh, will just somewhat have the life sucked out of them um, in those. So it's, it's kind of knowing your personality, knowing what is going to give you energy as opposed to what are those things that are going to stress you out and, and steal your energy. Um, and, and from there, just having a, a plan. Uh, this is one reason I always recommend uh, athletes to take care of things early on. So things like checking in early, if there's a mandatory bike drop the day before the race, take care of all those things early on so that you can remove yourself from those, those situations. Um, especially if you are one that being in that situation is going to increase uh, your nerves or anxiety. So um, take care of those things. Uh, taking care of them early also provides you those opportunities to fix anything. Um, you know, if you show up to, to bike drop early and you've got a flat tire, now you got plenty of time to fix that flat as opposed to showing up in the last 30 minutes and now you got to scurry to do it. And, and that's just going to increase the nerves and anxiety. So it's, it's about setting yourself up for success. So race morning is the most common time to have the anxiety levels ratchet up. You know, you're kind of awake the, the music is blaring. The MC is getting everyone going the body of water that you're about to jump into is right there beside you. It's calling your name. Talk me through embracing the race morning electricity instead of letting it be a point of nervousness. Um, you know, I think this goes back to me talking about <laughs> the box breathing again. Um, sure. But, you know, positive thoughts uh, create more positive thoughts. They lead to more positive thoughts. So I talk a lot with my athletes about in practicing that box breathing, it's a, it's a form of meditation um, that allows you to kind of control the thoughts you are having. Um, if you if you start off with a negative mentality, uh, very nervous disposition, um, you can't get get outside of that. Uh, but in doing the box breathing, um, you start to think about these positive thoughts. And everyone who's who's raced for me um, or, or raced with me has heard me talk about the importance of training and racing with a grateful heart. Um, so before the race. You know, thinking about 
um, everything you're grateful for, um, who has helped you reach this epic day, who has helped you in reaching milestones in your life, um, and then flip it. Who are you going to help today? Um, I tell my athletes before the race start, be bigger than yourself today. That's something I, I try to get my athletes to focus on right before that start time. Who am I going to help today? I'm going to be bigger than myself. I'm going to help five people out. Um, and I, I guarantee them, I look them straight in the face and say, you're going to be called on to help somebody else today and be ready. This is one day, one race, an important day, but this one day does not define you. Um, and, and, you know, do not forget who you really are. Um, don't let your nerves, you know, be so big that they, they allow you to forget who you are. Um, so it really focuses that morning right before the race starts, you know, to think about how grateful you are and that you're going to care for others. Um, and I've often mentioned on the podcast before that, you know, um, in those moments when you're called to be brave, those are often um, the greatest days of your life. Um, and so those are all things I try to remind my athletes of um, as, as those nerves kick in, you know, race morning. I know for me personally, in that zone, kind of race morning, everybody's getting their stuff together. You're, you're getting your wetsuit on, you're about to get in the water. What usually helps me is just kind of, kind of being a part of the scene, like find a couple of people and chit chat with them, just connecting with another athlete or two or three or four. It's just a reminder that I'm not doing this alone. Uh, dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds of other people are about to jump in that same water. Uh, and, and we're all going to come out of it fine. Like we're, we're all going to be fine. We're all going to have a good day. And, and just having verbal interaction with other athletes on the race morning kind of reminds me of that. Um, so, so I normally like kind of chit chatting with a few people. Um, not, not, not a crazy amount of conversation, just a little bit, just enough to kind of settle, settle my head and get my head out of the race day nervousness feel the, the one race where I did not want anybody talking to me was Ironman Waco. Um, I, I just, I think I was just knowing it was going to be a long day. It was going to be a long race. I was kind of inwardly trying to, to just as an introvert kind of protect my energy levels, right. And not expand, expand any energy before the race than I had to. So I went, I went through the, the, the motions of getting ready for the race. I, I hit the porta potties. I got my wetsuit on, you know, I talked to my wife a little bit and, and I was totally fine until I got like in the swim corral shoot. And then, and then all of a sudden it was like, Oh my God, I am minutes away from getting in the water for an Ironman. And, and at that point I didn't want anybody talking to me. And so I lined up, uh, right around the hour and 20 minute swim start sign. And I'm just standing there and, and I could see this guy next to me. He kept looking at me like he was wanting to have a conversation and I was just trying to give off like this, do not talk to me right now kind of vibe. Uh, because I just, I, I didn't, for whatever reason, I normally am chatty. I, I did not want to talk to anybody before that race started. And and thankfully, right before I was about to get in the water, I saw John Mayfield. I saw Elizabeth James and my wife. Um, I walked over to where you guys were on the edge of the starting corral. And it just so happened that coach, out coach Kyle Stone and his wife, Terry, were also standing right there. And they were racing that day. And so it actually turned out really, really good because I got in the water right after coach Kyle and right before his wife, Terry, I was right in between them. And that just, it gave me somebody that I knew that I was getting in the water with. It's a comfort. And, and Kyle, yeah, yeah to, to, to comfort, just, just a familiar face. And it, even though I hadn't talked to anybody else, it was that moment of I'm doing this with somebody I know I'm doing this with other athletes. You know, Kyle's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Terry's going to be fine. Um, and that was really helpful to, to me. So, so shout out to coach Kyle and shout out to Terry. They're, they're just, uh, just, just great people that I've gotten to know the last couple months of the races. Hey, Andrew, that reminds me, um, this last Saturday in St. George, um, uh, 
Terry had had a kind of a rough practice swim, the water being like 57 degrees when we got in on Tuesday. Um, So she struggled a little bit. I came out, uh, I made her get back in. Um, But another thing that has helped me, I think with my nerves is, is I tend to want to comfort the people around me in the swim corral. I tend to do a lot of hugging of people I don't even know. Um, But with Terry, you know, it was such a memorable moment that I'm probably never going to forget is that her nerves, she was about in tears um, as we both were, but I wasn't scared of the swim at all, but holding her hand, walking all the way, being almost the last two to get in the water because women 45 to 49 were last again at St. George. Mm. Um, So in that, you know, holding her hand and walking in, you know, in any other circumstance would have been so strange for two grown women to just, you know, walk down this (laughs) swim course, you know, in, in holding hands. But it was like, so comforting to her, but it was comforting to me too, that knowing that, you know, I was helping her out and, um, and that we were doing this together. So a great thing about the water in a triathlon is almost without fail, the water washes away all those nerves and all that anxiety. So that's something that I always remind people is that yes, you're, you're nervous and you're peaking here, um, minutes or seconds away from the start, you're going to, that, that oftentimes that anxiety and nerves can crescendo as, as you approach, um, that, that swim start. But the great thing is as soon as you hit that water and you start swimming, the nerves just, they disappear, they dissolve in that water. So <clears throat> that's just something great about the, the triathlon swim is, is that water is going to dissolve all those nerves and anxiety. Cause you, you don't have to, I mean, at that point you're like, you, you got to swim or you're going to drown. So you're focusing on on swimming and staying alive and not drowning, and yeah, those those nerves and anxiety just just immediately disappear. So if you can make it to the water, you're going to be fine. And uh, you know, even as those nerves crescendo there at the end, just you know, it's a great reminder and a great confidence to say, yes, I'm I'm feeling this now, but I'm 30 seconds away from jumping in this water, and I'm going to be fine. And I never heard it put like that before, John. I, I love that phrase. Like like the the water dissolves all fear, all anxiety, because I've told this to athletes before, before an Ironman, whether it's a 300 meter swim at a sprint or whether it's a 2.4 mile swim at an Ironman, you you know how to swim. You've done the training, you've gotten in the pool, you've gotten in the lake, you've gotten in the ocean, you've put in the work, you know, so, so yes, you're, you're anxious and yes, you're nervous standing on that, on that dry land. But once you're 50 to a hundred yards out in that water, like, you know how to swim, you know, you you know how to clock out those hundreds, You, you know how to put your water down, or put your head down in the water and and get it done and, and and just to remind yourself of that to to get 50 yards 100 yards out there and and John to in your words let that water just dissolve that anxiety away cuz once you're 100 yards in you, you know how to swim it's familiar swimming is familiar putting your head down in that water is familiar and if you can embrace that water yeah it can absolutely help take those fears away so uh, but but I think with with the swim start I mean that that is just a source of anxiety for a lot of triathletes you know, we're, we're, we often, we can't see very well in the water. We're often bumping into each other. You know, we often have, we're, we're, we're wrapped head to toe in neoprene, silicon, and latex. We have to turn our heads to the side just to breathe. So what do you guys say to athletes specifically that are anxious about the opening leg of the race? Um, I spend a lot of time uh, with my athletes and, um, and I've worked with other TriDot athletes about preparation for, um, you know, a, a long open water swim, whether that's a, or the, the full Ironman. Um, I, I inform, I, I tell them over and over again, you know, practice, 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 exposure, um, equals comfort in the water. How familiar are you with your environment? Um, I talk about 
at least two open water swim sessions per week. If that's plausible where you live, um, that will benefit you 10 times more than multiple pool sessions. Um, you know, we can work on our form, we can work on our speed, we can work on our strength in, in, in the pool. That doesn't translate to the open water experience. That is like, uh, I think I mentioned to you before, Andrew, it's like riding on a trainer. Okay, now I'm going to ride uh, 7,000 feet in St. George climbing hills. Different, very, very different. Um, and so that, that changes our whole perspective. It changes, you know, our, our feelings, our anxiety, all about um, being in open water. Uh, what makes you more comfortable with open water? Better sighting, better breathing, better drafting skills. How do we acquire these skills? Practice, practice, practice. Um, I, I talk about, you know, hiring a swim coach or somebody that's familiar or specializes in open water swimming and someone who deals with open water anxiety um, and not being afraid to say, hey, I'm experiencing this. I'm having panic attacks when I get out there. Um, I'm having trouble breathing. I don't like the cold water. Um, I, I think one of the, the best things you can do is establish a pre-race, pre-swim routine. You follow it to the T. What do I do 10 minutes out? What do I do seven minutes out? Um, you know, what are my focus points? All of a, a schedule and, and something that you follow is going to provide familiarity and comfort. Uh, getting ready in a certain order, the exact way you're going to put on swimsuit, earplugs, swim cap, goggles, sticking to a time schedule. I've got this down to 12 minutes before I get in the water. Um, I'm going to repeat box breathing, learning to control your breathing that five to 10 minutes. When you do that, your heart rate is going to stay lower. You are saving energy. You are using less effort. Um, so another thing I have my athletes do at, the, at, at, at our lake by our house, we're going to simulate a swim start. We're going to practice exactly what you're going to do that 10 minutes before and as you enter that water. If you've practiced it over and over, it's not going to be as scary on race day. Yeah. Um, and so, yep. That's a great point. Uh, that it, it seems kind of silly when I do that, or you know, when I'm out there at the lake and I take away their goggles and make them swim 300 yards because, ha ha, <laughs> you may lose them. All things that can happen, but that you're going to be prepared for uh, when it comes to race day. Well, and then even having the confidence of knowing that, hey, in practice, you know what? I got in a lake and I swam 300 yards just in my wetsuit with no goggles. Yes. And if I could do that, then I can do race day with my yes. goggles. Um, and and yeah, I think I think it's great, Joe, and, and just. I've seen people, I've seen people get that wetsuit on, they get their, their swim cap on, they get their goggle on and a hundred yards into the swim they they start panicking because they haven't worn those items enough in training. Um, and, and they're just not familiar with that, that feeling of being constricted. And so, yes, get in the water, get practicing those elements. If you think having your wetsuit on in the open water could be a, a, a point of nervousness for you, do it over and over and over again in training until you're, you're, you're comfortable and ready to rock and roll. Um, Joe, I think all of that is, is so, so great. Um, I will say this though, anxiety on race day is not exclusive to the swim experience. You know, we, we normally think of race day anxiety as being first thing in the morning or about to swim. Those two are, are kind of connected, but depending on what you're good at or, or, or a lot of different factors, really the bike course or the run course can also be intimidating and get in your head before you even get there. For me, uh, especially long course, you know, I get a little anxious that over the course of a 56 mile or 112 mile bike ride, even if my fitness is ready and I've done the training, uh, you know, a lot can go wrong out there that, that could derail my race. And so for me personally, once I hit the run course, my, my anxiety levels are, are mostly gone at that point. Cause I, I feel like I'm much more in control of what's going to happen to myself out on the run, but what can athletes do to handle bike or run related anxiety? 
Um, you know, it, it, Andrew, it goes back to, again, we, we have this fear of the unknown, all these what ifs. Um, and it's easy to be anxious when we do not know what to expect during the bike and run. Um, you know, we can be we can get familiar with the bike course, the run course that helps us. Um, you know, we, we we feel anxious when we feel out of control. So, you know, that it's another repeated mantra that I have with my athletes is we're going to control everything that we can control, everything that's within our power, we're going to plan and control. And what I am really referring to is nutrition, which I believe is more than 50% of the equation when it comes to these long endurance events. So um, I, I give them examples is, well, what if I get a flat on the bike? What if, you know, that stalls me by 45 minutes? Answer, practice changing the flat. Take away yeah. the fear of it practice it over and over again, then you're not going to have that fear anymore. You're going to think, you know what, I can change a flat in nine minutes um, or six minutes. Uh, you know, with familiarity of something comes less anxiety. So, you know, you know, if I get a flat, I'll know what to do. Another example, what if I have GI issues on the run? You know, I experienced that one time. What if I have, you know, GI issues? What am I going to do? What if I get out of control? Uh, you know, how can we be less apprehensive about experiencing GI issues or potty breaks during the run? Answer, practice your nutrition plan. Have that perfected. Work with a professional who, you know, can, can, can create a nutrition plan for you that's going to be fail-proof. Practice it for four months, you know, on long rides, long bikes before an Ironman. Yep. And in doing Absolutely. that, you're going to have full confidence going into that day. And that's going to eliminate the anxiety that you're experiencing, you know, your confidence will override any anxiety because you know what's going to happen with the things that you can control. Uh, and then the last thing I like my athletes to do is, you know, when they're very scared, very nervous of a day, I talk about, I want you to write down, you know, every occurrence you can imagine that you're afraid of is going to happen on race. Day. I don't care how silly they are. You know, I want you to write down everything you're scared of. And then we're going to talk about a plan on how you would respond. And what you would need to do to fix that situation. How would you stay in the race? What would you do? And when we talk about it and talk it out, plan ahead, they feel more prepared. They feel less anxious because they know what they're going to do if any of these scary things happen. And it, it, as you hear me talking, this is truly what you're talking to with kids in a household, too. You're talking about, I'm afraid <laughs> of this at school, or I'm afraid, or even a, a husband or wife, I'm afraid of this at work. And then we talk it out and say, hey, well, if this happens, what are we going to do as a team? What are we going to do? And then it just all becomes less scary when, when you've had those conversations. One, one thing I always recommend is, is putting eyes on what you're in store for. Um, so uh, we do those race recon webinars headed into uh, every U.S.-based Ironman race. And that's, that is a tip that is included in every single one of those webinars, fulls, halves, um, especially. Because like you said, you're out there for a long time. You know, I can look at an elevation chart, but, but that can be very deceiving. That doesn't give me the whole picture of what yeah, I'm in store for. Absolutely. Um, same thing like where are the aid stations? Good thing is Ironman races uh, typically three, four, five days out from the race. Those aid stations are going to be marked with brightly colored duct tape on the road. They're hard to miss. So, you know, where are those aid stations? And I'm going to be relying on those. Um, are they at the bottom of a downhill with a 90 degree turn? Um, you know, those kinds of things. What do I need to prepare for? What are the road conditions? Um, how long are the climbs? How steep are the climbs? Same thing with the descents. Um, how technical is the course? Or if there's a section of the course that is technical, I want to know that. So I'm not caught off guard. I'm not thrown on race day. I'm I, I can, I can plan for it. I can strategize for it. I know exactly what I'm in store for. 
So to, to what Joanna said, it's, it's that it's, it's your, oftentimes you're, you're fearing the unknown. So the more, you know, there's less to be afraid of. A good amount of athletes will have some form of jitters, slight anxiousness, maybe a little nervousness, but, but in most cases, I I think it's usually manageable. I I think most of us have a normal amount uh, of anxiety or nerves. You know, they, they, it's not enough anxiety to probably compromise our ability to start the race or, or find our groove early on. But when you have an athlete that has a more intense anxiety and, and it will affect their ability to start the race in a good headspace, what do you say to athletes who are extra nervous the morning of a race? Yeah, I think it, it this kind of goes back to the, all the different types of athletes I had at Ironman Texas this year, um, looking at each athlete individually. Um, if I can tell that their extreme anxiety stems from fear of the water, um, that's usually where we get them thinking about their pre-race OWS protocol. That's something I provide for each of them that they've practiced. I'm like, we've practiced this. We're going to go back to where we're not going to get off routine here. We're going to stick to the schedule. Start with the box breathing for five minutes before entering the water. And then I start to question them. What is your first stroke focal point? What are you going to do for the first six, 700 yards? Is, you know, what are you going to do the moment you enter the water, breathing every stroke to relax? What are you going to focus on next? When we go through their focal points of, of a long swim, they t- they, it, it diverts their attention. It often, you know, gets them thinking about what they're going to do in the next, you know, hour or so of swim. Um, and they're not overwhelmed by the emotion uh, of the, of the moment in the day. Other athletes, you know, their anxiety, the tears, um, all these emotions bubble up have really not as much to do with what's about to occur, but more about the journey that they've just been on or the journey they've been on in life that's that's come to this point. Um, and so often me just leaning into that and talking about kin, kids or lost friend, lost mom, um, somebody, you know, some, some, some catastrophic or traumatizing event in their life um, and, and talking about how this is the day of healing, the day of redemption, um, you know, really, really embracing the emotion in that moment is very helpful to some athletes. Um, and then lastly, it's reinforcing strengths. We all doubt ourselves. So having them repeat, you know, I'm known, I've done it many races to have them, you know, repeat that I am brave, I am strong, I am loved. Um, and when, when they say those things to themselves, it's kind of like John said, it's, it washes over them that um, there's nothing to be afraid of in this moment that they're ready. Um, and if all else fails, make them run. Make them run. <laughs> Five, 10 minutes, get going. I don't care if you're barefoot. I don't care if you're in that skin tight wetsuit. I don't care if you can barely move in that wetsuit. We're going to we're gonna shake these nerves out. Um, doing that little five, 10 minutes will, will kind of bring down that heart rate, bring down those nerves. Um, and lastly, as we know, I'm, I'm known to pray with dried out athletes, with my athletes, with any athlete in the vicinity um, when I start to pray um, to remind them that, you know, I'm going to be there the moment they come out of the water. John's going to be there to lock eyes. It's one small step at a time. We're going to get through the day. Um, and that, in, in, in reality, they're never alone in that day. They're, they're surrounded yeah. by people that are also scared, but they're surrounded by people that are a community that are going to take care of them throughout that day. Um, and so those are things that we often talk about. So like I said, for me, it's, it's usually some sort of unknown variable that causes my anxiousness before a race, whether it's my, my first time at a new distance or my first time at, at a new venue, uh, and it's an A race you really care about. But but I've met plenty of athletes and had plenty of conversations with athletes before a race that I, I, I can tell they 
are nervous because they have some sort of doubt that's entered their minds. You know, maybe they doubt their ability to, to swim well that day. Maybe they doubt their ability to handle the weather or the heat or, or to climb a certain hill on the course that day. Maybe they doubt their ability to, to make the cutoffs uh, at some point along the way that day. Maybe they doubt their ability to finish uh, the race at all. You know, if we've let doubt creep into our minds and, and it's causing us to be nervous before the race, how can we best put that doubt aside and go out there and do what we're trained to do and have a great day? So in, in that moment, there's nothing you can do to prepare yourself more physically. You can't gain any fitness. You can't gain any strength or anything like that that's going to help you overcome those those things. The The tip or the advice here is is kind of twofold. It's, it's one, um, do what you can to have someone there in that capacity, someone that is great at that. Have them there at your start line. That's, that's going to be huge. Like for me, it's Joe. She's, uh, she mentioned that Ironman Florida start. She said some things to me in that moment that, that were, were huge. Um, and, and really started my day off, off well. Um, so have someone there that is, that is able and willing to, to speak those truths to you. And then on the flip side, be willing to be that person. Know that, um, either if you are in the corral with someone or if you're on the sideline with Sherpa duties for the day, know how powerful that can be and know that that probably is the most beneficial thing you can do for someone that you are uh, there racing alongside or, or someone that you're supporting is, is be there in that moment and just speak truth to them. Remind them of, of who they are, the work they've done, and uh, help, help, help eliminate and um, get rid of that doubt. So at this point in your triathlon journey, when you are the one on the start line, do you still get anxious and how do you deal with it? Well, this will be funny. I'd say before Saturday, I'm like, I'm good. I've got this. You know, I'm, I'm familiar. I'm confident. I've done this a long time. I'm an old, you know, old expert at this moment. I finished Saturday world championship terrified. I'm completely terrified. <laughs> I'm not doing Kona. I'm terrified. Um, you know, it, it's so funny how the mind mindset can change in one day. Um, yeah. that, 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 that anxiety from, uh, the drama of Saturday has worn off a little bit over this week and, and now I'm in a better headspace. Um, but I, 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 like John talked about before, each race is very, very different. Each training cycle is very, very different. And, and I think um, there's factors in life that you're dealing with um, all lead up to it being a very unique experience each time you train for a, a big event. Um, and so I, I, I think nerves lend themselves to, to be present um, at, at, at every um, race you undertake. Um, you, you do get more familiar with the Ironman setting. Um, and I do think that that provide some comfort. But like he said, you're, you know, you're not really invested. If you, if you start to get bored um, and get really, really complacent and, and, and racing. Um, and so um, I think they play a, a, a good role in some respects to, um, to keep you invested and, and keep you um, wanting to make gains. I, I think for me, um, I, I definitely still get anxious before races. Um, you know, like I said earlier, it's always for different reasons um, at this point, but you know, for, for me, it, I wouldn't say get nervous, but, but definitely have some nerves and definitely a little anxious because you want the day to go well. You want to perform the best you can. You put a lot of work in. Um, so, so for me, I think the way I found to deal with it the best is kind of like I said earlier to go through the motions with other people, whether it's athletes that you're, that, that, you know, 
whether it's athletes that you've met that morning. Uh, but, but chat with a couple people, you know, have some conversations, remind yourself that you're not doing this alone and you're not the only one with some emotions. I, I think back to doing Alcatraz with John Mayfield and coach Jeff Rains and my buddy, uh, Paul Wolf, who's a trotted athlete from the Dallas area, you know, go, going through that morning on the ferry ride with, with you guys getting our wetsuits on and like that, that calmed a lot of my nerves, uh, of jumping in the water. Cause I was doing it with, with you all. Um, at Ironman Waco, staying in the same rental house with some other tri-daughters and having breakfast that morning with Coach Joe. Uh, Coach Joe and I ate breakfast together that morning and, and didn't say a word to each other. But just going going through the motions of race morning with somebody was very, very helpful for me. And, and so whether that's just chatting with another athlete at a local sprint or whether it's you know sharing the race morning experience with somebody you know at an Ironman, doing it together with someone else uh, always goes a long way in helping uh, my personal anxiety before a race. Um, John, for you, do you still get nervous and, and how do you deal with it? Yeah. As I, as I mentioned before, it, it really has to do with the priority of, of the race. Um, but yeah, even those that, uh, you know, I can roll up on a, on a local sprint that I'm not super overly vested in, um, and, and I'll be all right. Uh, but yeah, those big ones, but, but even still, I raced 70.3 Texas, uh, a couple weeks back. And, uh, it was not a super high priority race. It was more of a, uh, it was a race that had been deferred through, through 2020. So, um, it was one that I was just largely doing because I had the registration for it, but yeah, sure enough. Um, I also was in the starting corral with, uh, coach Kyle stone. And I remember telling him like, man, I just, I wish I knew how the day was going to go. Um, and, and that's really it. And, and I had a great day and I told him afterwards, like, man, had I known that the day was going to go as well as it did. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd have been fine, uh, there on the dock, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely still there. So yeah, I'm, I'm still setting goals and still, uh, setting myself up, uh, for the potential to, to, to fail. So, uh, there are still nerves. Great set everyone. Let's cool down. So as Coach Joe alluded to right there toward the end of the main set, at the time we're recording this podcast, at the time we're, repu- we're publishing this podcast, Coach Joanna Namey just raced the Ironman World Championships. Now, now, it was the 2021 Ironman World Championships held in May of 2022. We've been talking on the podcast about Coach Joe qualifying for that, earning that spot, being excited to race it. Uh, and, and so that that was it was very, very cool, Joe, to see you on course racing as a part of the Ironman World Championships. And I just want to take a few minutes here on the cool down and, you know, folks get to hear free wisdom from you. They get coaching from you here in the podcast. And I want them to just to have a chance to hear about your race, doing the Ironman World Championships for the very first time in St. George, Utah. So uh, your, your experience with the Ironman World Championships uh, did, didn't start on race day or race week even. Uh, you you, you kind of had some unique adversity thrown into your preparations for this race. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the, the adjustments you had to make to your training to even get to the start line of those world championships? Uh, yeah. And um, about seven weeks out, um, I've been experiencing what I thought was some uh, muscular quad pain uh, while running, none on the bike, none swimming um, for quite a while. Um, multiple doctors, multiple chiropractors, um, finally kind of demanding an MRI and discovering that I had a pretty severe um, stress response of the femur, mid femur. Uh, that's that's a word you don't ever okay. want that bone to be mentioned. Uh, sure. You know, so after a lot of soul searching, a lot of opinions, uh, a lot of unsolicited opinions, um, I, okay. uh, I I I. <laughs> 
you know, came to a conclusion with my coach and my husband that uh, I wasn't going to give up. Not yet. Um, that's 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 not in that's not in my vocabulary. Um, so even in, in tough decisions where most people would say there's no way you can get this done. Um, I reformatted training, which I talked to my athletes about pivoting. We're going to pivot. We're going to change this up. We're going to get you to the start line healthy enough to get through race day. And that often means taking running off the table. Um, so no impact training, lots of biking, lots of swimming, and an amazing amount of aqua jogging, which I got awarded a goat trophy from two of my athletes this week on the aqua jogging endurance champion of the universe um, this week. Yeah. Um, I challenged Tim O'Donnell to this day to see who can aqua jog faster because um, I think I would win. Um, but that, that led up to being able to get to the start line um, and to be as much pain-free um, in that femur area um, to start, but also with absolutely no knowledge or certainty of whether I could run because I hadn't run one step before race day. You, you were in a very unique position to get to race two Ironman World Championships in the same year. Kona is, is obviously the dream and the goal for you, but to do the Ironman World Championships for the first time in St. George was obviously a very cool experience as well. Uh, how did race day and, and kind of race week, what, what were the takeaways for you? What, what stood out from just the experience of racing your first Ironman World Championship? Um, the beauty of the week uh, was to be with Terry and Kyle Stone, um, uh, to spend time with a lot of TriDot ambassadors, my coach. Um, I say the TriDot people are my people. Um, the, the most love and support I could imagine. Um, probably just one of the best weeks of my life leading up to um, a lot of laughs, a lot of fun, um, took, took a lot of that anxiety and nerves off the table because I was just so grateful for the experience. Race day itself, um, probably <laughs> one of the most humbling experiences of my life. Uh, my mom jokingly with me, girl, do not get too big for your britches. And I may have gotten a little too big for my britches over the last couple of years. Um, and that's, it has put me in a place to say that my race, my world championship, my Kona experience, my St. George experience is no more valuable or no more important than somebody doing Sylvan Beach Olympic or a local yeah, sprint. Absolutely. Um, what it means to them, the hurdles they're overcoming, the journey they've been on yep. is is my, my, my experience uh, in triathlon, my life that I, you know, it's been so much a part of my life. Um, I am very, very grateful for all of it, but it is, you know, I, I, I just know that Saturday put a lot of things in perspective for me. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to give it my all. I'm never going to give up unless they drag me off the course. Um, and I didn't give up and it was my slowest Ironman to date. And that's okay. Um, because, yep. you know, I, I got to that finish line. I ended up kissing Mike Riley, which I don't have really any memory of. Um, I apologize. <laughs> And, and, and the picture that you sent us a picture, the picture that is, is one of the professional pictures from finisher picks. And it's an amazing picture of you giving Mike Riley a nice kiss on the cheek there at the end. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you have such expectations of yourself over the years and what that finish is going to look like or what that time we get so fixated on what that finishing time is going to be or what type of athlete I am. Um, and then in the realm of it, as the week progressed, I kind of had this vision of what the storybook ending would be in that maybe it was a near, uh, you know, a 16, 17 hour finish. And maybe when I came through, Daniela Riff would put the medal around my neck or, you know, whoever won that day. And then you have these premonitions and then I, 
I come through the finish line and the sweet volunteer says, and then Daniela Reef is going to medal you. And I mean, you can't write that. You can't. It was, you know, yeah. in all the years I've raced, that's that, that's going to be a highlight, you know, and I, Kona will be wonderful. Um, I, I've told a lot of my friends that I think God made St. George so very, very, very difficult so that I can enjoy Kona more. And maybe it won't seem so difficult. Wow. Um, but in reality, I, I, there's a lot of lessons learned. Very, very humbling experience. Um, I, I am really glad that I took the chance. I'm really glad that I, you know, chose to be brave. Over it wasn't it wasn't on Saturday, but over the last seven weeks, you know, and 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 gave it a shot because you never know what's going to happen. Well, that's it for today, folks. I want to thank coaches John Mayfield and Joanna Mamie for talking to us about pre-race anxiety. Shout out to Delta G and UCAN for partnering with us on today's episode. If you want to experience the stable energy UCAN's Live Steady products can provide for you, head to UCAN.co and use TriDot to save 20% on your order. And I got to be honest, a lot of the time when I'm drinking my UCAN, I have Delta G ketone ester mixed in there as well. If you want to get the recovery benefits of ketones from your nutrition, Head to DeltaGKetones.com and book a call with one of their experts to get started with Delta G. Use code TRIDOT20 for 20% off your ketone drinks. We'll have a new show coming your way soon. Until then, happy training. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and share the TriDot podcast with your triathlon crew. For more great tri content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ready to optimize your training? Head to TriDot.com and start your free trial today. TriDot, the obvious and automatic choice for triathlon training.